you have a Bible with you and you'd like to follow the reading, we're going to be reading the um, uh, first chapter of Matthew, first 25 verses anyway. And um, we'll be reading some of this probably again at the uh, carol service, but um, the bit that gets left out at carol service is, is the first bit, um, and you'll know why if you've read it a few times, or skim-read it, or just jumped it to the other verses that make much more sense. Um, I find it very fascinating that the whole of the New Testament starts in this way. The good news about Jesus. In fact, if you've read your Gospels, you know how different all the four Gospels are in, in how they begin. Mark's gospel begins, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Luke, slightly different, he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of these things that have been fulfilled among us. And he addresses his gospel to most excellent Theophilus. And then John, who I think is just a brilliant writer. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Matthew begins, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. I wonder which one of those beginnings captures your attention the most, if you were to vote which is your favorite gospel introduction? I, I think mine is John's, but that's just me. But Matthew begins with a, a great long list of names, and we're going to read them. I thought it might be fun if I just picked on someone to do tonight's reading, and then I thought it wouldn't be so much fun, it might be just a bit mean. So if I get any of the pronunciations wrong... And if you're thinking that, you should have come up and read it. Okay. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, 
and Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Elihud, Elihud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. I wonder why we don't have it read at carol services. <laughs> Thus were the 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Should we just pray? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you tonight for Matthew's gospel, and we thank you for this first chapter of his gospel, and we pray that as we spend this time just thinking about what it might mean for us, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess we're all familiar with the TV show, Who Do You Think You Are? If you're not, um, it's where celebrities get professional help in looking back at their family trees. I think it would be a brilliant thing to do a Christmas special on Jesus. Who do you think you are? Family tree of Jesus. If you're familiar with it, you know that a wide range of celebrities are picked to appear on the program. Most are picked because they have something interesting in their backgrounds. If they have a really boring one, they're thanked very kindly by the producers and everything and say, well, you're just too uninteresting, uh, but we'll go on to someone else. Matthew Pinsent, I don't know if you ever saw that one, the Olympic rower, traced his family back to the uncle of Catherine Howard, who was the fifth wife of Henry VIII. And further back in his history to Edward I. And further back to William the Conqueror. It's impressive, isn't it? Jeremy Clarkson face lit up when he discovered that his ancestor invented the Kilner jar. <laughs> Jerry Springer said a silent prayer when he visited the concentration camp where his grandmother died, gassed by the Nazis. And Patsy Kensett was shocked to discover that she came from a long line of criminals. 
And Matthew begins his gospel, the good news about Jesus, with a genealogy. A family tree. And he sets Jesus in the context of what God has been doing for his people from earliest times. And he ushers in this theme of fulfillment. And if you've read Matthew's gospel, you will know that he uses the word fulfill and fulfillment so many times. This happened to fulfill what was said. Now, it's not intended to be a comprehensive list. There are names missing here, if you look at the other genealogies as well. But he deliberately puts them in, in this order of 14s. And he gives prominent position to three names, Abraham, David, and Jesus. But if you look a bit more closely at the family tree, you might be surprised at some of the people who are in that list. It doesn't always make easy reading. One of the first things that, that sort of sprung out at me was that Jesus is descended from Judah. Now that's okay. Judah was one of the sons of Abraham. He's descended from Judah and his grand, his daughter-in-law, Tamar. If you've never read the story of Tamar, Tamar, who dressed herself up as a prostitute to trick her promise-breaking, backsliding father-in-law into having sex with her that she might have a child. Because her husband had died. Judah's son was struck down by the Lord. And the next son was killed, struck down by the Lord. And Judah was not prepared to give his next son. And he sleeps with what he thinks is a prostitute, but it's his daughter-in-law. And she gave birth to twins, Perez and Zerah. And Perez is in the list. Ancestor of Jesus. He's a descendant of Rahab. Rahab is another prostitute who, who plies her trade in Jericho. Who was saved when the city was destroyed because she hid two of the Israelite spies in the roof of her house and lied to protect their lives. She's named in the genealogy of Jesus. The mother of Boaz, who was the father of Obed, the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, great king of Israel. Jesus is descended from Ruth, Ruth is a widowed migrant worker from the Gentile nation of Moab, whose people were so corrupt that they were excluded from the presence of God. If you read Deuteronomy 23, they're excluded from the presence of God, yet Ruth is in the genealogy of Jesus. 
is Ruth marries Boaz, the great-grandfather of David. He's also a descendant of Solomon's mother. And she's not even named. But we know who she is because she's Uriah's wife. We know her name's Bathsheba. Bathsheba, who King David himself, the great king of Israel, who was a man after God's own heart, seduced and had an adulterous relationship with. But not only that, had her husband killed to cover up his own failure and sin. Wouldn't the BBC have a field day with Jesus' ancestry? And then there's the four kings, Rehoboam, Jehoram, Ahaz, and Manasseh. They were four of the most wicked kings of Judah who lived. Jesus. And then finally, you get to the great bit at the end, tells us that Jesus is the son of Mary. Who was pledged to be married to Joseph. And when Joseph discovered that she was pregnant, he was going to divorce her quietly because he assumed, obviously, that she had been sleeping with someone else. And there was scandal attached to it. Until he is told by an angel that what is conceived in Mary is by the Holy Spirit. See, now that's a family tree. You think you've got a few dodgy characters in your family. So why? Why does Matthew start his gospel in such a way? Every filmmaker knows, every novelist knows, every communicator, every evangelist, every preacher knows that the opening scene is crucial. Apparently, the Bond films, they have this rule. If you, if you haven't won the audience in 20 seconds, you will not win them back. That's why they spend millions and millions on that first opening scene of every Bond film. And it's brilliant. You almost look forward just to that opening scene more than anything else. Because they know that they have to grab your attention. And we read the beginning of Matthew's gospel and we go, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then we skim read to the, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. But, that's us. When Matthew wrote his gospel and he wrote it for a Jewish audience primarily, they would have been riveted with all these names that we have just mentioned. It would have gripped them. Who's who of ancient Israel? The good, the bad, and the ugly. All in that family tree. And as I sort of pondered on these things and was reading around 
what the commentators say about these. Two things stood out for me. Maybe one really important thing for me. There's a lots of stuff. I mean, the, the, the commentaries go to town, some of the really deep ones. They go to town on everything. And I, it just bamboozled me a little bit. But for me, it tells us something about what lies at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first thing I believe that Matthew wants us to understand through this genealogy is that God has come to save mankind. I know, you're stunned by that, aren't you? No, you're not. You're sitting there thinking, well, that's very obvious. But think about it. One of the topics of conversation throughout our Alpha course, certainly on my table, has been about religion. Surely Christianity is a religion, and I say, no, it's not a religion. Because you and I are not religious people, are we? We're followers of Jesus. Religion is all about us. Where our faith is all about him. Religion is all about our human attempt to reach God by our own effort and merit and goodness and works and religion and make ourselves worthy of God. But verse 23, when we get on to the good bit, as far as we're concerned, tells us that Joseph had that dream and that vision. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you to give him the name Jesus, which means God saves. Now God saves. He will save his people from their sins. The virgin will be with child. It was fulfilled in that prophecy from Isaiah. A virgin will be with child, will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. And Matthew makes clear in this first opening chapter of his gospel who Jesus is. Jesus is God with us. He is God. I know that's really difficult for people to get a hold of. Jesus is God, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. But he is God with us. And he didn't come unwillingly. But he didn't come in the splendor and the glory of heaven that he, he obviously had. From the very beginning, he was there with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But he humbled himself. The king of heaven exchanged the glories of heaven for the deepest depths of humanity. And he humbled himself all the way to the cross. He came into this world naked and he died on the cross naked. Humbled himself. God with us to enable us with God. John, in his letter, 1 John, he says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
Jesus offers salvation to humanity by undoing through his perfect human life what Adam had lost through his sinful life. And the sin that we each, each of us has repeated in our own lives. But John goes on in chapter 4, verse 15, he says these amazing words, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them. Isn't that good news? That's why he's the only way. God with us, for us, to enable us with God. And I believe that Matthew through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants each of us and the world to grasp that God's kingdom is about God's grace to a people who don't deserve anything, but it's grace. It's always grace first. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Sometimes we even get that the wrong way around. Oh, we're saved by faith. No, you're saved by grace, through faith. Grace came first, and you responded to his grace with faith. It's nothing to do with us, as if we could contribute. He says it's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. And even those great men of God, Abraham and David... Abraham, the father of the nation. David, the greatest king Israel had ever had. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham and David. He's the fulfillment of all that history. But grace comes first. Abraham, you know, he was a moon-worshipping Mesopotamian before God said, I want you. And God called him to be a prophet called him to be an ancestor of Jesus, the savior of the world. Jesus, the son of David, the shepherd boy God chose and anointed to found a dynasty of kings, but a man who sinned but knew how to repent. And Matthew's genealogy reveals that Jesus came to a human race lost and steeped in sin. And it still is. And he still comes to set people free. Someone said to me, I can't believe that God would forgive my sin. We were able to say he forgives every sin. Every sin. Because grace comes first. Imagine if you had to earn it. If you had to prove yourself good enough. His grace outweighs our sin. So that Matthew's opening, far from being a dull list of names to endure or skim over, well, we do struggle with them because we're not steeped in it. Maybe, maybe we could get steeped in it but we're not really. 
But what he's saying is, this is good news. Because Jesus who comes from this line, and all the brokenness that there is through that genealogy, when Jesus comes, he's come to rescue the world. So if you have things in your past that you are ashamed of, embarrassed about, or well, know this, Jesus has come to set you free. And you notice there are other things in this genealogy that stand out. Do you notice that women are mentioned? Now, not all of them in the most wonderful light, if you look back at their stories, but it's very unusual to have women in a genealogy, yet he picks them out. Do you notice he doesn't have Jews, just Jews? The genealogy of Jesus. There are Gentiles in the genealogy of Jesus. And he breaks the barriers between men and women. He breaks the barrier of Jew and Gentile. He breaks the barrier between good and bad. People we would have written off and say, well, let's just skim over that bit in the genealogy. But to anyone, and John writes this in his beginning of his gospel, all who would receive him, anyone who would receive him, who would believe in his name, will become children of God. It's good news. It's amazing news. That anyone who is humble enough just to cry out and say, Jesus is Lord, God lives in them. God lives in them. And as we celebrate Christmas and we read the familiar stories again, we hear again that Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us, to enable us with God. And we can live in that and walk with God all our days. And he will never leave us or forsake us. I just think that's brilliant. Amen. Let's pray together.